Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I read a story this week that really piqued my interest. You know, when you're kind of reading stories, and this really, it piqued my interest in in light of what we're studying. You go, what is it? Well, it's about a pastor, and the pastor writes this. He says, a young woman, a member of my church, worked at a large umbrella factory in Philadelphia, at that time considered the largest umbrella factory in the world. She said to me one day, in a discouraged manner, Pastor, I'll have to find another job. What's the matter, I asked. Have they laid you off? No, they haven't, she said. Well, does your factory have enough orders to keep you working full time? She said, no, that's not it at all. They have more orders than they can fill. The pastor said, well, what's the problem? What's, what's going on? Why, why do you have to quit? She goes, Pastor, the problem is, They don't have enough electricity to keep all the machines going at once. She says, my machine has to lie idle part of the week, and I lose so much time and so much pay. Now, obviously, this story isn't in our present day and age. This was back a little bit. But the trouble with the factory at that time was that it had more machinery than it had power. And it it just hit me. Guys... Let us not forget that even the best and the finest machinery is made useless without power. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that's shiny. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, this is going to make my job easier. We'll turn it on. Well, we can't. There's no power. There's no power. I could imagine every Saturday morning... A group of people come and clean the church, and Brother Joe was one of them, and his main focus is getting this this sanctuary clean. And he gets the handy-dandy vacuum cleaner out, and you could hear him here at 9 o'clock in the morning. That's his job. That's his... Could you imagine him trying to vacuum the sanctuary with no power? You know, Ben, that's, that's futile at best. He's going to just go back and forth. The glitter's still going to stay there. You see, we need power. And I want you to think about this, guys. Think about this. It's God's power which is essential to you and I as believers. It's God's power. See, without God's power, you and I are at a standstill in our walks with God. We're just there. In other words, we, we lie idle in our relationship with him. You see, the Christian should be always moving forward. And when we don't have the power of God or we don't understand God's power, then we just kind of stay stagnant. And a lot of us as believers often stay stagnant in our walks with God. Why? Because we miss the power of God. You see, Paul, in writing to the Romans, he was trying to pull this out as he preached to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to what he says. For Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why, Paul? For it is the power of God to salvation. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, he says, for the Jew first and also the Greek. See, what Paul is trying to communicate to you and I, the gospel, guys, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. That should be a good place for an amen. 
because it's the power of God. Yeah, we're like, I'm saved. Amen. Yeah, it's all right. See, the cross of Christ, guys, the cross is the power of God for salvation. And when it comes to the power of God, Paul exhorts the believers in Corinth to remember where the power comes from. He says, hey, listen, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Why? Because he wants to remind them that it wasn't in baptism. It wasn't in baptism. Okay? It wasn't in baptism. Because he tells us in verse 13 of the same chapter, he's looking at the Corinthian church, he's writing them, and he says, is Christ divided? You go, oh, no, no, no. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What he's trying to tell us is this power that we need so that our walks are not at a standstill. This power we need so we feel the peace of God every single day of our lives. Guys, it's not in baptism. He says it's not in baptism. Paul wasn't baptized for you. Baptism, how amazing it is. It's simply an outward sign of what God is already doing in your heart, what God has already done. That's what baptism is. Okay, that's basically it doesn't it doesn't bring salvation. I want you to think about this in a practical way. If baptism saved, then let's just get rid of the stage and let's put a pool here and let's dunk everybody who comes to church. Come on in Jesus name. But we understand something supernaturally already happens before baptism. That's what Paul's trying to communicate. So, so important. Baptism. As beautiful as it is, it's a fruit of already being saved. It's already being saved. I loved it the last, last two weekends ago, we had a baptism. I think we had 10 people get, get, get baptized. You go, wow, 10 people. That's 10 people who publicly take a, t- took a stand and said, I'm gonna be, I want to be identified with Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. But it doesn't save. It doesn't save. Now, Paul says, remember, is Christ divided? Is Paul crucified for you? I want you to see that in verse 13, guys, and I want you to underline it because I want you to keep in mind as we go through our text, specifically where Paul says, is Christ crucified or basically was Paul crucified for you? I want you to see that very, very, very important. So he's saying, was Christ divided? Were, were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then in verse 17, if that wasn't enough, look, look what he says. He reminds us again. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize. How much clearer does that get? He didn't send me to baptize. What he did is he sent me to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Guys, when I used to live in Cape Girardeau many, many years ago, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and I remember attending the only church I could find that somewhat taught expositionally and we had Sunday school they had a Sunday school adult class and I remember the Sunday school teacher talking about the gospel and his definition of the gospel which is true okay it simply means good news it's good news okay and and I remember saying hey the gospel is good news but but I think it's so much deeper than that okay because what we could do is we could simply internalize it and it's good news it's good news but he says no 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 you don't understand Paul he said, Christ sent me to preach the God. Do you understand the gospel? And you go, well, Ben, it's good news. That's what your Sunday school teacher said. No, no, no. It's so much deeper, guys, because he said, he says, I came to preach the gospel. 
Not with wisdom of words. Why? Lest the cross of Christ should be made no effect. No effect. You go, okay, I need help here. What's the problem? He go, Ben, help me understand what wisdom of words means. Because if Paul came to preach the gospel, but not with wisdom of words, what does it mean exactly? Well, if you have a pencil handy, circle that, because here's what it means. It means one of the speaking gifts. One of the speaking gifts. Okay? That's what it means. This gift describes someone who can understand and speak forth biblical truth in a way as to skillfully apply it to life situations and discernment. That's the speaking gift. So Paul says this in effect. He says, hey, I wasn't sent here to baptize. I came to preach the gospel. He says, but not with the great speaking gift. Not with a great speaking gift. Why? Because what that would do is that would take away from what the cross actually was, what the cross really represented. Wow. Wow. You see, the power of God for you and I to walk with Jesus, to keep us from sinning, to have a relationship, to grow in our knowledge of God. Guys, that power of God, it does not come from those who are spiritually gifted to teach the Bible. You go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Listen, what are you talking about? Well, think about it. We have so many gifted pastors out there, so many eloquent pastors, so many gifted. You're just like, if that were the case, think about it. If the case was, was just a, a speaking gift, a gift of communication, a gift of teaching, well, the millions would be getting saved every day. Well, that's simply not the case. But I will say this. Listen to me. The gift, and it's a gift from God, is essential for ministry. God gives men certain gifts, gifts of speaking, gifts of teaching for his purpose. You understand me? You go, why is that important? Because, guys, we have men in the pulpit, bless their heart, love them to death. But here's the problem. Their problem is they don't have a teaching gift. And they get behind the pulpit and they say, now, everyone, listen. We're going through the scriptures today. And they preach like this. And there's not a gift there's not a gift. There's not that. And there's people out there and we go, oh, and there's churches after churches and great men of God who go, man, I really want a community to take the gospel, but, but it's not that gift. It's not the gift that goes where people go, man, I get it. I get it. You put it in a way where I understood. Man, you brought it down to my level. We see that the gift, the gift is essential. Well, pastor, what's the problem with Corinth? Well, remember, Remember, this church is divided. Why is it divided? Now, there's huge divisions. And we learned last week that God hates divisions. He doesn't want us divided. He wants us united to get the gospel. You go, Ben, 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 Ben. Why were they divided? What was going on? Well, listen, remember, here's what was going on. At the root cause, these people, they were, they, they were divided because teachers with amazing teaching gifts were coming into Corinth and people began following their favorite teacher. Yes. Is there anything wrong with listening to my favorite teacher? Like, Ben, like, you're pretty good and everything, but, man, I've got, like, like, I've got these big guys that I listen to. I mean, they're, like, on the radio. They're my favorite teacher. There's nothing wrong with listening to your favorite teacher. There's nothing wrong with that. 
We all have our favorite teachers. The problem was, is I used air quotes when I said following, because what happens is that they were listening to them. They were leaning on them for salvation. Listen to me. And they began to say, listen, now, I listen to so-and-so. I listen to Apollos. You can't listen to anybody else. Don't listen to Paul, okay? That's Apollos. He's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. Well, Paul's coming. Do you want Paul to pray for your healing? No, I don't want Paul to pray for my healing. I want Apollos. Or, no, 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 Cephas is coming. Apollos is out. Cephas is the guy. Wasn't he Peter? No, he's Cephas to me. Did mama name him Cephas? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Only one person got that. (laughs) Guys, but taking it even a step further, he says, you only follow, listen to me, and lean on the teaching of that teacher for salvation. That's that's the problem. You go, Ben, 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 Ben. What, what do you mean exactly? Staying within the context, the church, the people in Corinth, seemed to be leaning, and when I say leaning, I mean pressing into the teachings, the works of these men, rather than the finished work of Jesus on the cross for their salvation. You guys tracking with me? This is deep. I'm telling you right now because a lot of us do that today. They were leaning. They were pressing in to these guys, okay? And they were leaning and going, no, 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 no. Here's what it is. I like their teaching gift. I like the way they teach. They make me feel something. I like their works. That's how I'm saved. Instead of the finished work of Jesus. Now, listen to me. I'm going to... Go a little bit deeper here. Okay, very, very important. For some strange reason, we as humans try to save ourselves with other means rather than putting our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You go, whoa, 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 Ben, that's deep. What do you mean? Okay, think about this. We somehow want to save ourselves with other means, with other means, other than the the work of the cross of the Christ of of Jesus. Uh, I was listening the other day to Billy Graham's grandson. His name is Pastor Tolian. And Tolian had fallen. He's fallen from grace. I mean, it's an ugly story. But he says this, and I found it very interesting. Notice what he says, and I'm going to quote him, okay? Pastor Tolian says this, As humans, we are addicted to our own self-salvation projects. We try and rescue ourselves on a daily basis to gain the acceptance and approval of other people. By proving ourselves, accomplishing certain things so we can feel important so that people can respect us. Now, he goes on to say this. Check it out. All of those things are what the Bible calls justification of works. Justification of works. And then he says this. He says, what are those things in our lives that if they were taken away tomorrow, 
would make us feel like we don't want to live anymore. Take a step back, look at your life. What is it in your life that if it was taken away tomorrow that you would say, man, I don't want to live anymore. I don't feel like I'm existence. And then he goes on to say this. For example, relationships. Relationships. If my husband wigged out, if my wife wigged out tomorrow, he goes on to say, maybe for some, he says, it's your looks. You're into your looks. We can see this, guys, because we live in a world of social media. We can see this as people post more and more on Instagram and filters, and they, you know, they take 30 pictures to put one on the Internet just because that's how they want their looks. I mean, what if that was taken away? You go, well, Ben, it's not my looks. God, I'm not that vain. What if it's your achievements? What if your achievements were taken away? The things that you've done, the things that you've accomplished, who you are. What about this? He says, your reputation. Now, this, this just struck big. This struck big. This was big because, because here in Lubbock, Texas, you know, we had a prominent businessman, guys, that the reputation is destroyed in a matter of weeks. And this, this, this man is still trying to recover, but everything was taken away. Everything. And you go, whoa, 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 okay, well, what, 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 what? Well, think about it. What if it was taken away? What about your dreams? What about your goals? He says this. When we can identify them, when we can identify those things we're leaning into, those things we're pressing into for salvation, he says, if we can identify them, then maybe, just maybe, we can identify leaning on those things to save us, which are smaller than Jesus. And I think what Paul is trying to teach the Corinthian church is division is coming from people who are looking for self-worth, validation, by the teacher they claim to follow. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for, hey, this is, this is who I am because, man, I, I go here. This is who I am. I'm in the church of Apollos. No, 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 no. I'm of Christ. Now, no, stop, 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 stop. Look, think about this. Think about this. I don't think there was any... If some of you said, man, I, I, no, I don't follow man. I follow Christ. I think that's a good thing. The problem was, is in the context, think about it. They weren't following the cross of Christ. They were following the teachings and the miracles of Jesus Christ. Now, you've got to answer this question. I know what my answer is. But the teachings and the miracles of Christ do not save us. I'm going to get somebody to call me. It's all about semantics. No, no, no. Listen to me. We, there are so many people who know about Jesus. They know about his miracles. They know him as a great prophet and a great teacher that are not saved. Can I get an amen? Why? Because they've never put their faith and trust in what he did at the cross. So they're going, I'm of Christ. They're leaning into his teachings rather than leaning into him. They're leaning into those, oh, yeah, 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 I follow Christ because I want to live like Christ. I want to imitate Christ. But I've never gone to the cross of Christ. I've never gone to the cross of Christ. Paul reminds the Corinthian church and us, listen to this, 
the gospel, not just good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only for when we get saved, but it's for us on a daily basis. Guys, we're missing it. We're missing it. See, the gospel message speaks loudly to us. And you say, well, how so? The gospel, in the gospel, is found everything we need, all of our worth, is found in the gospel. All of our value, all of our love, all of our acceptance, all of our approval that we crave and we're looking for. Listen, they're already yours. They're already yours. The gospel, guys, we're, 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 we're missing it. Now, here's why. Listen to me. Because of what Jesus has done for you and what he gives you, This is why Paul says, this is why I was called to preach the gospel everywhere I went. Listen, I can baptize you. I'm glad I didn't. But this baptism is not going to help you in your everyday life when you're struggling to find approval and you're struggling to find acceptance and you're struggling to find validation. It's only in the gospel where those things are found. And they're already yours. They're already yours. Now, now listen, let's take a hard look at ourselves, guys, okay? Because here's what we try to do. We try, we try to save ourselves by other things. You're already saved. You're already validated. You're already, I mean, think about it, man. Your, your, eternal, your eternal destiny is secure. And yet we continue to look for other people to validate us. The Lord says, this is the gospel. If you could find security in who you are, and then you'll be loved. You'll find acceptance. This is why, this is why we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Every day. Every day. Listen, church, if we don't understand the gospel, then we'll find ourselves leaning into personalities into teachings, into churches, and even into works as an effort to find approval, love, acceptance, and validations. This is, this is what we do. We don't understand the gospel. We don't get it. And the Bible says that they're already yours in Christ. They're already yours. Listen, you don't have to be anything to anybody because in According to the scriptures, they're all, you're already safe and secure. But we miss, we miss the gospel, guys. We miss it. And so that's what Paul's trying to communicate. So in verses 10 through 17, guys, he kind of tells us, okay, this is what's going on. This is, this is how he's defining the problem. Some of you said, I'm Apollos. Some of you said, I'm a Paul. I'm a Cephas. I'm a Christ. No, no, no. We've got to stop that. Okay, so today what he's going to do is he's now going to give us the cause of the divisions. He's going to give us the cause. This is, what, this is what's going on. You ready? Jot this down. If you're taking note, they had a misunderstanding of God's message of the cross. They misunderstood it. They misunderstood the gospel. And that's what we're going to look at today, okay? And two weeks, we'll see they also misunderstood the Holy Spirit's ministry of revealing that. Okay? So you have to be here next week, and you have to be here the week after that, so you understand all of this. All right. So with that as an introduction, let's come, let's look at verse 18, okay? Messy people need the power of God. Paul writes, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 
but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, unpacking this verse, here's what we need to learn. We need to learn that the message of the cross, okay? You understand that, that Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, it was foolishness to those who didn't believe. And even today, it's foolishness to those who don't believe. Well, how'd you get saved? Well, I put my faith in a Jewish carpenter who claimed to be God. And he died on the cross, and I believe that. And something happened. I was born again. <laughs> you did what? You see how, you see how silly that's? Oh, come on. You, you, no, that's not how you get saved. That's not how you go to heaven. How you go to heaven is you've got to work, 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 work. You've got to be good. You've got to look good. You've got to exercise. Okay, I just threw that in. But nonetheless, you know what I'm saying. That's what he's saying. And he's going, no, no, no. The cross is about Jesus. It was foolish to those who put their faith and trust in personalities or teachings or works. You guys, you see that? That's, that's exactly, it was foolishness. Now, note the contrast. The message of the cross, listen to me, the gospel is either seen as foolishness or it's seen as the power of God. Right here. Now, think about this. God's provision of salvation through the crucifixion of the Messiah appeared to be foolishness according to the world, to the wisdom of the world. Why? Guys, the Romans used the cross as a humiliating form of execution reserved for the worst criminals, the insurrectionists. You go, what do you mean? Today we carry a cross. Sometimes we use it as what? As jewelry. Sometimes we go, oh, we bought a gold cross. Oh, that's so pretty. The cross, the cross. But I mean, think about it. This was an instrument of death. This was not, people didn't carry the cross around in the first century, the second century. It was foolish. It was, are you kidding me? Wait, 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 wait. And I started to think about what would be the one thing that we could wrap around our neck in a beautiful gold chain that is hideous in our day. And some people say, well, that's like the electric chair. Eh, Kind of. I mean, you know, if you're going to zap me, zap me once and let me die. I mean, it wasn't a torture. You guys see what I'm saying? What is it in our, what is it in our world that's so torturous? We would wear, and you'd go, I would never wear anything so torturous. That's silly exactly what it is the romans said that you go well we'll, we'll, we'll keep going well what happened well here's the thing okay it was foolishness why because the greeks guys the greeks believed that the gods operated above the limitations of people and would not have allowed themselves to be treated the way jesus he goes no (laughs) that's silly that's silly we speak at a very intellectual level we have just great wisdom We would never, our gods would never operate in such a low level to be crucified to a cross. And so it's foolishness, okay? The Jews, think about this. The Jewish people, guys, regarded the cross as a shameful punishment. Remember, even the Old Testament, it was a curse from God. You see how what God is trying to do? He's going, look, here's the cross of Christ. And and the Greeks are going... (laughs) that's so silly and the jews are going no no that's a curse our messiah our meshach would never hang on a cross that's what's going on here and paul guys paul lovingly takes these people I want to take you away from personality cults. I want to take you away from the teaching gifts. I want to take you away from baptism. I want to take you away from even the miracles. 
and he shoots straight with them. He says, none of those things save you or sanctify you. It's only the crucifixion of Jesus that is central to the believer's life. Remember what I had you highlight that in verse 13? What do you think Paul said? Is Christ divided? Christ wasn't going, hey, you, you group over here, follow my teachings. Do, do what I do, okay? All right. And, then, and you group over here, follow the cross, okay? Then you can be saved. Everybody's saved. It's all many roads to heaven. He didn't say that. Christ is not divided. Christ said, it's the cross. That's the cross. And then he said, check this out. He says, and then Paul says, was, was, was Paul crucified for you? No. Even if Paul was crucified, that would be, okay, it was another man crucified. That's why he says that, guys, because it was, it was the centrality of Jesus in the life of the believer that gives us the power. It gives us the power to get up every morning. It gives us the power to see beyond what we see in the present, and we see a future. We see people who are coming to know him. It's the cross of Christ that gets us up in the morning, not our alarm clock. It's the cross. That's the centrality. And messy or messed up people need to redirect their lives to the centrality of the cross. They need to preach the gospel message to themselves. That's the power of God. Guys, remember this. Remember, no, okay? To those who are being saved. You guys see that? He says, to those that are being saved. What does that mean? Salvation is a journey. Here's the problem. The problem is we go, hey, I prayed a prayer, got saved. Back in 1988, I prayed a prayer, got saved. No, salvation is a journey. That's why he said being saved. Or he would have just said, hey, the gospel, you're saved. You're saved. All right, you're saved. Amen. Everybody's saved? We're saved. We're good. No, no, no. It's being saved. Three aspects, right? The first one, the first aspect to salvation or sanctification is positional. When you give your life to Jesus, positionally, he sees Jesus. You're saved, right? When you go lay down, give me Jesus, he sees Jesus. That's positionally. Hey, Paul, what position are you in? Uh, gee, I'm saved. But the second one is what? It's progressive. Progressive sanctification. That means our daily growth. Okay? That's being saved. It's your journey of becoming more like Christ every single day. Becoming more like Christ. Becoming more like Christ. The problem with progressive sanctification is you got an enemy who wants to kick you back down the hill. Boom! No! Yeah, I'm going to be more like Jesus. No, we got the flesh. The flesh goes, oh, sleep in. I want to pray. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Give me the flesh. And then you have the world. And the world's going, looks good over here. Hey, hey. And we're Jesus, it's progressive. You're growing more like him. And then the third aspect of salvation in your journey is ultimate. That's when you get to heaven. That's when the cross of Christ, you go, oh, I made it. I made it. The word of God was right. I'm home. I'm home. Guys, every one of us are going to take that journey. Every one of us, if the Lord Jesus does not come, every one of us are going to close our eyes, breathe out our last breath, and ultimately be with him. Ultimately be with him. 
So if people are misunderstanding the gospel, Paul says, well, let me, let me help you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to quote from the Old Testament. I'm going to quote from Isaiah 29, verse 14. Notice verse 19. For it is written, Paul says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, here's what I wrote in my notes. Don't you love that Paul quotes from the Bible? Don't you love it? Guys, when, whenever it is, man, go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. But let me do, do, do me a favor. Don't quote the Word of God in a way to, to, to use this as a weapon. Paul quotes because he lovingly wants to see this church. I've seen a lot of people use the Word of God in a way to try to beat somebody over the head with it. Well, here's what the Bible says. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, great. No, no, Paul says, listen, listen, here it is. Here it is. He says, doesn't the word of God say this? You, you should know this. He looks at him. He says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Well, Ben, what is Paul trying to teach us? Well, here's what I want you to take note. Paul is trying to show us that worldly wisdom, which the Corinthians leaned into, was the very opposite of the wisdom of God. And the root cause was a misunderstanding of the gospel of the cross. And so with that misunderstanding, Paul says, now let me enlighten you. Look at verse 20. He says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Guys, if you have a pencil handy, circle the word for wise. You can write next to it, expert, wise expert. Do the same for scribe. That means interpreter. Where's the interpreter? And then it says the disputer of this age. You can circle that and you could write, that's the guy who debates everything. So you've got a expert, you've got an interpreter, and you've got a debater. And he says, so where's the expert? Ra- raise your hand if you're the expert. Oh, I know. He says, where's the interpreter? Where, where, who, who's going to interpret this? Oh, by the way, where's the guy who debates everything? He says, God has exposed their pretentiousness. Wisdom is nonsense. God has exposed that. In verse 21, it says, For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Don't you? Boom! This verse is amazing. It's so beautiful. You go, Ben, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? No, no, think about it, guys. Here's what he said. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom didn't know God. All the wisdom in the world, they were like, I don't know. Do <laughs> you know God? I don't know God, but you guys are supposed to be smart, right? You're supposed to be wise. He says, listen, listen, I love this. It said, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Wow, guys, think about this. Paul says, can you imagine? It doesn't make sense for you all to think my message was foolishness since it was the very message that saved you. Hey, you want to get saved? Put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did at the cross. Amen. And then you come back and go, that message was foolish. Seriously? That's what, that's what Paul just said. That's what you said. That, he, come on, guys. That's the message that saved you. Why would you think it's foolish? And he says, for the Jews, guys, the Jews request a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. 
Listen, in Jewish tradition, guys, miraculous deeds functioned as a sign of authority and legitimacy from God. Why do you think the Lord Jesus did so many signs? He says, I am from God. Okay? But they're looking after a sign. Well, the Greeks, they, they, went after, they, they seeked after wisdom. The Greeks were renowned for their love of new ideas. They were also founders of philosophy and even worshipped God of wisdoms like um, Athena. Athena was a god of wisdom. They worshipped a god of wisdom. God of wisdom. But listen, listen. God's wisdom is revealed primarily in the cross of Jesus Christ. But not everybody sees this. And Paul pointed out there, there are three different attitudes towards the cross, and you can relate this in your life. You go, what are they? Look at verse 23. He says, but we preach Christ crucified. That's, that's the gospel. You guys with me? To the Jews, stumbling block. To the Greeks, foolishness. So the first, what? The first attitude towards the cross is a stumbling block. The Jewish people stumbled at their Messiah being hung on a tree, even though the scriptures pointing to this very thing. Why? Well, they were hoping for a victorious champion, not a carper from the town of Nazareth. There's a stumbling block. Wait, 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 wait. You mean our champion? Our champion's hanging on a tree? I don't know if I could buy that. I don't know if I could believe that. You see how it's a stumbling block? No, 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 no. God, God loves us. He's going to come down in mighty and power. He's going to show himself. You could see how people in the first century didn't believe. Because they're going, no, he's just, that's, 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 that's Mary's son. That's Joseph's boy. He's from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah, but he's doing miracles. Yeah, but he could be a prophet. I just don't know. I just don't know if he's, I just, I don't know. That's one. And Paul says, not only that, guys, and, and think about that. How many people have you ministered to? And they're like, no, no. I don't know. Put my faith in Jesus. I mean, G- Jesus was like a good man, wasn't he? He's a prophet. Or, I, don't, I don't understand. He said, he said, now, the second part attitude is some laughed at the cross. This was the response of the Greeks. To them, the cross was foolishness. The Greeks emphasized wisdom, but they saw no wisdom in the cross, for as they looked at the cross, they looked at it from a human point of view. So when they looked at the cross, they looked at it from their own fleshly eyes. How could anyone be saved with a man hanging from a cross? How can you? That's silly. There has to be something more intellectually. There has to be something more. Is that not us? Come on, church. That's us, right? Works. There has to be more. How'd you get saved? Well, I gave my life to Jesus, but now I'm working for him. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing that. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing that. There's a lady who came to the church a long time ago. Sat, moved off to Midland now. She said she had went to visit a church. She didn't tell me which church, but she said, she said basically that this one lady approached her and was telling her of all the things she did in the church. All the things. And she did this, she worked here, she did this, she did Sunday school, blah, 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 blah. And the lady's like, well, that's nice. And then she went on to say, 
how she was going to have a bigger mansion in heaven because of all the works that she's done. And this lady was like, I don't think this is the church for me. Because again, what's happening? It's not enough. Listen to me. Is it enough that Jesus died on the cross for you? It's not foolishness. And that's where the Greeks are going. That's silly. That's silly. They're laughing at it. They're laughing at it. But then the third view is found in verse 24. Look at verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Guys, the cross is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul preached Christ and him crucified. I want you to go back to your own salvation. Do you remember when the scales fell off your eyes? Do you remember when when the cross penetrated your heart and you went, I get it. I believe. I believe. And the Bible calls that being born again. And what happens, guys, is the scales fall off the heart and you go, man, that's, that's, that's the power right there. You know, how are you saved? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Well, do you have to work? I work because of it. I don't work for it. I work as a result. I just want to serve my king. I just want to serve my king. I just want to serve. I just want to serve. That should be our attitude. Why? Because think about it. That's what he's saying. It's the cross. The cross has to say central in our lives. Why? Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's a life verse for a lot of people, isn't it? The foolishness of God is, is, wiser, is wiser than men. Even the smartest men, God's like, okay. And here's what I like to say. I like to say that God has a pinky finger, and then he has a pinky nail, and then the nail, he has a little bit growth. In that little pinky nail is stronger than everyone in the whole wide world. That's, that's, what, that's what Paul said. But he said, the weakness of God, like if there's any, is stronger than any man. Stronger than any man. Okay, let's close. Let's close our Bible study, guys, right here. As the worship team comes up, I want to remind you once again that God wants us to learn and take... Here's what he wants us to learn, and here's our takeaway. You ready? Number one, it's God's power, guys, the message of the gospel, which is essential to you as a believer. Without, without this power, we're at a standstill with our walks with him. We're idle in our relationship with him. We need the power. Do you understand that divisions are caused when we don't keep the cross center in our lives? Number two, listen to this. This is important, okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only for when we got saved, but it's for us on a daily basis. The gospel speaks so loudly. When you feel yourselves starting to press in in relationships or, or teachings or personality cults or achievements 
or validation, when you start trying to fulfill those things to make you feel good, you need to preach the gospel back to yourself and say, I already have those. I'm already loved. I'm already saved. I'm already validated. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. My God loves me. He proved that by sending his son Jesus on the cross. Wow. They're yours. Real quick, if I was your enemy, I'd want to keep those away from you. Because like, listen, listen, positionally, you're already saved. But you know what I can do? I can keep you stagnated in your walk. I don't want you to grow. I don't want you to grow. Just stay stay right here. Now, now, and so when the gospel comes up, you go, oh, the the gospel, Jesus, who I am in Jesus, my identity in Jesus. That's all mine. It's It's all mine. Yes, yes, acceptance, worth, value. That's who you are. You're valuable. You're accepted. That approval from people and bosses and all of that, and I'm preaching to myself, all that approval from friends, it's already yours. From God. From God the Father. And he looks down. And he says, I'm so pleased with you. And you go, Lord, but you don't understand. I've, I had a bad attitude today because I love you. We miss it, guys. We miss it so much. And what we try to do in our own flesh is when we sin, we back up away from God. Okay, God. And what we try to do is we try to clean ourselves up before we come back into the presence of God and God's going, no, 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 you don't understand. I love you. There's already approval. There's already value. You're precious. You're precious. I don't need any more validation than the God of heaven. That's the gospel. Already yours. Next week, we're going to continue on part two of Messy People need the power of God. We'll continue on. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you, Jesus. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.